In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I begin conversations with a group of people, or even one of my close friends, I have found that calling them a brood of vipers or cunning serpents, well, it doesn't usually get the conversation off to such a good start. Immediately, red flags go up. People get on the defensive, and what is said afterwards is only filtered through the beginning of the conversation. But not so, not so with St. John the Baptist. Now, if John was here today, the church growth experts might say that he is a little too strident, maybe a little too worried about sin, too worked up about being orthodox and correct. We might even be a little scared about John and his message. I mean, do we really need radicals like him in our pulpits? Won't he scare off more people than he attracts? And anyways, who wants to listen to that sort of stuff? Well, perhaps it is best if for a moment we skip past the brood of vipers and instead dive into the bulk of what John is saying. So, for just a moment, let's imagine that the gospel begins at a different point. In fact, let's start in the middle of the passage. When the crowd, and we can even pretend that we are on the banks of the Jordan too, asks, What then should we do? What then should we do? When you start there... The good news that John is proclaiming seems to be perhaps a little more palatable, more like something we would expect Jesus to say. And they seem manageable too, like whomever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. That doesn't seem too bad. After all, the one I have is so last year and it would give me more room in my closet. Or, here's another one, whoever has food must do likewise. And once again, we might find ourselves saying, you know, that's not so bad. Perhaps I can give some canned goods that are about to expire in my pantry. I mean, there's no use in letting them go to waste. And what's wrong with donating some money to the food pantry? It's a lot easier than shopping or volunteering or, well, it's a whole lot easier than feeding a family that I know is in need. John even begins to talk about workplace environments and the political world. He says, don't exploit people because of your status as a tax collector or a soldier. Today we might say a police officer or a judge or a lawyer, perhaps even priests. I can imagine that we can say, right on, that's right, because we don't like it when we have to pay high gas prices, or when we hear about corruption in government, or when we think that someone might be bribing us to look the other way, or when we think we are being cheated because we know we were asked to pay one price for a good or a service, and the person next to us was asked to pay quite a bit less.
But if we back up a little more, closer to the beginning of the passage, John says something, the very thing, in fact, that started the people asking John what they should do. John says something that is just a little more troubling, at least to those who were listening, and perhaps to us too. John says, do not say, we have Abraham as our ancestor. Now, for a Jew, who would have mainly been the people listening to John, this is rather questionable theology. John is not saying to rely on either your ethnicity or your religion, Judaism in this case, to save you from the coming wrath. It would be akin to someone saying to us, do not claim your status as a U.S. citizen to keep you out of trouble. It is a warning, a stern warning. And let those who have ears to hear listen. St. John is following in the tradition of the prophets of Israel who have come before him. And when we think about prophets, we need to think of them not so much as fortune tellers or clairvoyants, but as people who see, know, and understand what God's will is right now, here in the present, but with an eye to what our actions will lead to in the future. Think about some of the passages we know, especially the ones that call for a change in behavior and action and point us into the ways that the people of God are to live in. The prophet Joel tells us that the Lord says, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Micah reminds us to ask the question, With what shall I come before the Lord? And we were reminded of various legal offerings in the Torah. But then the tables are turned on us. And Micah says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? The various calls to holy living are to put us in right relationship with God, but also to help put us in right relationship with each other. Something that is unique to, the, to North American Christianity, and while it's present in other places, it doesn't seem to have such a foothold, is that being a Christian, being baptized, and in our case, receiving the Eucharist, maybe once or twice a year, is the answer. It's the ticket to heaven. It's the get-out-of-spiritual-jail card, or perhaps even the get-out-of-hell card. Profess a belief in Jesus Christ as the Savior who died for your sins, and now we're done with that hurdle in life. Well, it's not quite that easy. 
part of the vows we take at both our baptisms, or they were made on our behalf by our godparents, and at our confirmation, is that we will continue in the ways of the apostles, in their teaching, in the fellowship with the church, and in this Holy Eucharist, Holy Thanksgiving, and in prayer. In other words, we will begin to live the life that Christ demands of a Christ follower. But before we profess all of that, we renounce many things. We renounce Satan and all wickedness that rebels against God. We renounce sinful desires that draw us away from the love of God. And we say that we are going to turn to Jesus, to put our trust in him. In earlier times, and something we will be returning to here, is during the rite of baptism, the candidates stood first, facing the doors of the church, renouncing all the wickedness outside of the church. And when asked if they put their faith in Christ Jesus, they would then turn and face the altar and the font, effectively turning their back on Satan and the world. And if you want one word that helps to summarize that, it is the word repentance. To repent means not simply to turn away, like to do a 180-degree turn, but repentance means to stop dead in your tracks, to make that turn, and then to retreat as fast as you can. John is preaching a gospel, the good news of repentance, that leads to a more whole life for us, but also a life that is well-pleasing to God. There is a problem, as I've said, that has crept into modern Christianity that emphasizes profession of Jesus Christ as Lord, as Messiah. But profession without the hard work of repentance, of turning away from sin, what we have in essence said to ourselves is all we have to do is turn to Jesus and then everything is finished and done, and we have no more work to do. Sadly, nothing could be further from the truth. N.T. Wright, the former Bishop of Durham, speaking about this very passage, says it, the same, says it this way. What he says is, we cannot presume that because we have shared in the great Christian mystery, the new exodus, and have come through the waters of baptism with all that it means, that God will automatically be happy with us, even if we show no signs of serious repentance. Of course, Christian living is far more than simply repentance, but it is not less. Repentance, either before, but 
certainly after baptism, is one of the ways that we begin to grow fruit, to grow fruit that the Christian life is supposed to embody. When we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, we are talking about what happens when we give up those things, when we turn away, when we repent from evil. It would be like taking a fruit, a fruit tree, planting it in unsuitable soil. It will bear bad fruit, bitter fruit, if it bears fruit at all. But if we move it, plant it, like the psalmist says, by streams of living water, then the tree will bear good fruit. And what is that fruit? St. Paul in Galatians says it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if we don't repent, if we don't repent and live, we fall into the fruits of the flesh. And we recognize these when we see not just other people, but when we see ourselves living lives contrary to the gospel. St. Paul gives us another list, another list in Galatians. And I think John and Jesus would agree with him. Fornication impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. In these next few minutes, before you come to this altar, think about where you need to repent. Where you need to double-check the fruit that you are producing as a Christian. Are you quarrelsome and full of anger? Or is love, peace, and gentleness abounding in your life? Are you addicted to things that can harm you, like alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, greed? Or are you in self-control, in generosity? Are you in joy? All of us, you, me, anyone who is a human, struggles each day with something that threatens to spoil the fruit of our work in Christ. Both St. John the Baptist and our blessed Lord speak of axes being ready to cut down the old, rotten trees that produce spoiled fruit. Be sincere 
in your self-examinations during this season. Taking stock of your life in an insincere manner and with falsehood to yourself, it doesn't help you. It hinders you. Take an axe to those trees in your life that do not bear good fruit and cast them into the fire. And instead, plant trees that will produce good fruit. For you see, fruit is something we eat that sustains us. But it is also something that we share with others to help sustain and feed them as well. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Share your coat with those without. Share food with those in need. Do not exploit or extort, but rather live peaceably in anticipation of our blessed Lord's return. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 